Welcome to the Boost Your Boutique podcast. I'm your host, Emily Benson, corporate merchant turned boutique owner turned consultant. I want you to start, grow, and scale your boutique business right here with me. If you're ready to master your mindset, margins, and marketing, you're in the right place. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of the Booster Boutique Podcast. Today, I'm very excited because we've got a great interview for you. I have a client. Her name is Jenny Levitz. It's kind of crazy because she came to me wanting help with her wardrobe and styling business, getting a podcast off the ground, kind of doing the things I do as an extension of her boutique store that she's had for 11 plus years. And it's really cool because I love teaching what I do now as much as I love teaching, you know, everything boutique. So it's been a really interesting journey with her this year in kind of developing her personal brand and, you know, getting kind of all of that stuff set up so that, you know, she has another stream of income. On today's podcast, though, we're going to talk about her store, Pink Lagoon. Honestly, you guys, I want everything in it. It is a beautiful boutique in Solana Beach, California. And what I love about Jenny and the way she runs her business is that it's super intentional. She has a plan. She also is really good at delegating. She has an amazing staff a great manager, someone who helps her with the buying, the trunk shows. Pink Lagoon is really a representation of Jenny and the area that she lives in. It's beautiful designer clothes. All of the designers she works with are these elevated, sometimes handmade sweaters and uh, fine jewelry. Like everything in her store is absolutely gorgeous. Like I kind of feel like it's a candy store for women who love fashion. Oh, like everything in her store I want. And you guys, her average retail price is between three and $500 for an item. She is operating at this kind of prestige level of pricing and of assortment. And she's just really someone who understands the fashion, boutique, high-end designer, vintage. She understands so much of these facets of uh, the fashion industry. And she's someone who emanates like love for what she does. And so I'm really excited for you guys to hear about how she started her boutique, about where she's going with with everything going on in her life. She has two beautiful girls. So she's also a mom and a wife and she's managing a lot. So I really want you to, you know, take in what she's saying. You know, if you're not at her level, you haven't been open 11 years and you know, you're not into kind of building your personal brand. You're you're just starting out. Listen to what Jenny has to say because there's so much wisdom in what she gives you here on this episode. So I'm going to hand it over. We're going to get right into the interview. Uh, Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy this conversation with Jenny Levitz. Jenny, welcome to the Boost Your Boutique podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to talk to you because I love the way you run your business and in the boutique industry, especially new people coming in are really kind of scared to do what you do and run their business with higher price points, more designer goods, fine jewelry. I mean, you have such an exquisite assortment. I really want to hear about how you got into doing that and feeling comfortable. Cause I think that's, to me, that's the biggest thing is 
when you have that 300 to $500 average retail price point and you're like, you're literally selling diamonds and fi- like fine jewelry that are $10,000. Like I would, I don't even know how to get into that world. Like how did you start even in that space and, and like believing you could do and like sell that level of merchandise? It's a good question. I mean, I started out selling from the beginning. I had a pretty higher price point. Um, but it did evolve. I was definitely paying attention to the clientele. It kind of grew with the clientele. I was getting to know the client and what they needed from just being a stylist and wardrobing them. It was like, I knew what we needed next and what we were going to buy into next. And that kind of contributed to, you know, going into some higher end designers and definitely going into the fine jewelry. That was part of the process with that was that like, these were the next things that I wanted to integrate into their wardrobes was these pieces and they just happen to be more expensive so but as far as like being comfortable selling that price point i had had experience in selling luxury since i was really young i worked at fred siegel and i worked at other high-end environments that i feel like i was really lucky that i was always very comfortable and confident selling high-end i know that i definitely try to teach that to the you know, the women that work for me is like, are you comfortable selling this price point? Because it does need to feel authentic and comfortable for you to do that. So for those boutiques that you work with, it's a natural progression, like getting to know if your client can afford it, but also are they ready for that next piece? It felt really natural for me to to go into those higher end price points. So when you started Pink Lagoon, was it like the most terrifying thing you had done? How did you get to the point where you were like, obviously it worked in retail before, but what made you say, I just want to do this on my own? I was running a boutique in Orange County at the time. And I had worked at boutiques and run boutiques for years prior. And I think getting pregnant with my daughter just kind of gave me the confidence that like, I want to do this for myself. Like I was always producing trunk shows and events and bringing like a lot of business to the store that I was working at. And I was like, I just really want to create my own experience. And I had all these ideas and I just was like, I need, I I always said that I like, I felt like an artist without a, a canvas. Like I wanted to create something and I didn't have it. I didn't have the canvas to do it. So Pink Lagoon was like, I just took the, that leap of faith when I when I was pregnant because it was like, I wanted to have the flexibility of my own schedule, which was kind of a myth. Let's be honest. <laughs> you totally. Know, it, it isn't so much now, but it was in those first years because I worked like crazy for a long time. I've had the business for 14 years now. Yeah, I mean, I went for it. I just went for it and I was scared. It was scary. Uh, But I just, I don't know, like there is something about being young and naive that worked for me back then. It was one of the scariest things I did, but I just kind of kept learning as I went. In some ways it was, it was really like it worked right off the bat because people were shopping, people came in and we adapted. Like it it was like, I kind of started with like much more like loungewear and basics. And then I integrated some high end back when we opened, I think I was carrying like M. Missoni and Alexander McQueen were like my high end brands. And then I always had basics and jeans and stuff like that. I had lots of accessories. I always carried high end accessories. So I loved that. So I was always very like balanced in what I, in my assortment, but yeah, I don't know if that answered the question or not. Yeah. You were kind of doing the high, low mix. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
before anyone was like really talking about the high It's kind of cool that you just naturally integrated it. Did you start out in the same location that you are now? How did you decide to be where you're at? 14 years in the same location. I expanded at one point. I had two stores. I took over more space in the existing space. Now with COVID, we're back to our original footprint. I had my second store for five years. I, I closed it. So it's had different iterations, the Pink Lagoon over the last 14 years. Like right now, I'm back to my original brick and mortar and it feels really good to just be in that space. And now we're online and, you know, I'm doing other things. I have my styling business. I've launched the podcast. I'm working on some digital stuff that you know about because you've been helping me with it all. It's interesting how the business has taken on other forms, but um, I mean, it's still something I just love and I'm so passionate about. And it's always been about like expanding the departments for me. Like I'm really passionate about like the departments that we carry and always making sure that they're like really reflective of what people are wanting. And I'm so lucky that I have such a, a following for the these last 14 years. And I think that there's like, there's really good stuff in having a following for so long. And then there's the challenge in that too, because people have a lot. So like, what are you bringing in that's new and fresh for them? I think that is where, you know, the fine jewelry really took on a life of its own and other departments grew because people had a lot of this already. So it was like really keeping the wardrobe classic and keeping stuff that was coming in classic for like that existing client, but then still catering to like the new person that's coming in. And that's like a new Pink Lagoon client that wants to experience the store. I mean, you've really become a staple in your community. That's a huge piece of A, why you've lasted for so long, but B, why you've been able to start to expand into other realms of styling. And if someone wanted to open a store and they came to you, what are some things you would say to them knowing all of that, you know, and being the wise boutique owner that you're, that you are at this point? Well, I would just want to make sure that like their intention is solid, that it is really that they have like a passion for the people that they're serving first and foremost, because I think that that's really what gets me up every day is that I love the community that I'm serving, like the women, the staff, the people is really what motivates me. I think that's like my number one passion is the people, you know, because the stuff and the comes and goes. And honestly, it's the vendors too. Like, I just love the people that I get to engage with. I think that's like what, what I love about it. I think if people come into it because they love fashion or the things of it, I don't know if that's like, so if that's like enough to really last and be in the game long enough. It's really the relationships that keep me going from the amazing like designers that I get to support because that's how I feel like I feel like I get to be this this advocate for the designers to the clients and I'm supporting and creating this like really cool sustainable process. So that part is what I like really gets me going is that I love being part of that I love to discover the new next thing. So someone who's like into that like into the like innovative that they like are always on the cusp of what's new. So they have like a really good forecasting skill perhaps. So yeah, love for people, love for forecasting. And that like has like a really good work ethic and is resilient and someone who's just not gonna give up, I think is a huge important trait of a small business owner because there is so many highs and lows in running a small business. 
is, is there's just so many. So you just have to kind of get used to that. That becomes the new normal. And if that's not something that you're comfortable with, I don't think you're going to last very long. Were there times in your 14 years where you thought I'm done? I want to be out of this. Like every I, day. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, but like, I mean, there was a time where I like interviewed with a corporate company and I was like really on the edge. Like, have you ever had that moment where you're like, like having this serious conversation with yourself and you know, your yeah. confidants around you? Yeah. Like, like, do I want to be done with this? Like, it's time to be done. Yeah, like, do we close? Like, you know, have you ever been on that cusp? And, and like, yes. what kind of brought you back, I guess? Oh, gosh. You know, 14 years, I'd probably say there's probably been two or three times where that's, like, come up. But it's always come up, but it's, but it's always been sort of like, but obviously, I'm not doing that, <laughs> you know? I just, it's, like, kind of like a non- it's just, that's obviously not going to happen. I'm just, it's kind of like my baby and I am going to see it through. So I've, I've just really never given up on it. I think, you know, I think there's been times, I remember my husband back when he was more involved in the business, he would always be like, God, you just like pulled it out. Like, you know, we needed this much money to come in and this random weekend and you brought in like exactly what needed to come in to like make it work that week. There were weeks like that back in the day that happened. And, you know, so I remember those being like really challenging times where it was like really tight and and we pulled it out. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as like giving up on the business, there's been some moments where you you think about it because it does get really challenging, but then you just don't. You pivot and you figure it out and you may make some some hard decisions and some changes that need to happen. But no, I, I haven't given up on this business. I'll just kind of keep shifting and changing it. And, and really, a lot of the changes have been also just to like align better with like where I'm at and what I want. I think some of the bigger mistakes that I have made in the business have, have been like catering to other people that's been challenging like you know when I was you know had more people working for me or I had a partner at one time in a different business like there was like times where it's just like I was just people pleasing or trying to just make everyone else happy and I was losing a little bit of like what like I knew was right by just being in sort of service of everyone else's desires and so that was something that I think I just a lesson I needed to go through to get more clear on like what was really right for for me in the business. And those were tough lessons. Those were tough years of, you know, getting through some stuff like, you know, the of the 14 years, a lot of them have been hard years. They haven't all been peachy years. I mean, I think that's just part of being in business too is the resilience is there. I definitely have a lot thicker skin and I know they tell you that when you get started, it definitely is true. Do you think that being focused on the business and also exploring other things like a second location, like other businesses, like styling, has that helped you also just stay excited about being your own boss? Yeah. And you know, it's so funny because sometimes when I like, sometimes I'm like, gosh, I wish I could just, I should just focus on this one thing and not do all these other things. But I really do think that these other things have really contributed to the success of the store too, because they all are, you know, so aligned with each other and support each other and ultimately are like kind of like sisters to each other. And I think ultimately like 
you know, being the owner of the store, it's like my creation. So I have to stay creatively inspired. And if those are the things that are lighting me up and keeping me inspired, then that is really what needs to keep happening for me to stay in the best space for me to be sort of like the creative director and owner of this store. So it keeps me, and also just being with the clients in that space personally and being in their closet, it's like research too for like, what is next? Like, what am I buying next? What are we wanting next? So I think that there's something about that that has been so helpful in being the buyer for the store is like, I can see themes like across clients that are like, this is what we're wanting next. Like I, it happened intuitively, obviously, but then I'm also like doing like R and D. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about how the styling started. That's really a big part of your future for so many women that have brick and mortars. They can relate to the fact that they aren't just selling clothes. Women are coming in, needing advice, needing help getting dressed. I mean, at what point did that really take on new life for you and become like a bigger piece of your kind of world and business? So I opened the store 14 years ago, almost 15 years ago. So it really happened in like year two. And this is what's so interesting is that when I opened, I was only a year or two in when the financial crisis happened of what was it? 2008 or something. So that was like when everyone was like going out of business and all this stuff was happening and people were like not spending money and, and all that. And it was like interesting because my business actually like was still growing very slowly, but it was still growing. And I started doing more personal styling. And it was like, I think that that's when wardrobe design and styling really took off because there was like this intentional shopping going on back then. It was like, well, if I'm going to spend money on my clothing. I want it to feel intentional, which I mean, it should always have been that way, but we were just recovering from a very like excessive lifestyle overspending and just was it Ed Hardy time and like, just like this overdone style. And back in the juicy days with like a million juicy jumpsuits and just like that was like what we were kind of like coming out of, I want to say that was when people were becoming a little more mindful of what they were buying so that if they were shopping, it was like things that they were going to wear and things that were creating a wardrobe. So that was when my styling really kind of was growing within the store. And the store was also growing. And because I was curating my boutique to be very much like a wardrobe design and styling boutique so that all the pieces in the store were catering to that. So like there was always going to be like a great blazer. There was always going to be like a great pant, a denim jacket, a classic black or white dress. Like there were those core sort of fundamental wardrobe pieces always in the store. And there still always are those pieces. Like it really made sense for people um, when they were shopping at Pink Lagoon that like they were getting wardrobe pieces. I still went to people's houses and I would bring things and, so kind of, that's kind of how it was born and it really grew from there. So it's been, it's been about, you know, the majority of the time that the store has been open, I'd say like 12 years. Wow. Wow. And it, so it really did grow out of necessity and now it's turned into something that you have built kind of another business around. So we talk about that. I know we've talked about how stylists do a lot of things wrong at first and, but you've really, you know, you're doing this styling as another business. So you're, it's, mm -hmm. it's you're the owner of Pink Lagoon and WDS, wardrobe and design styling. Wardrobe design that? and styling by Jenny. Yes. <laughs> it's like the styling component of, um, yeah of Pink Lagoon. It is a separate business. I love that part of the business because I am such, like I told you, is like such a people person. I love one-on-one -on -one connection. It's like my love language. 
I just really enjoy working with people one-on-one and helping them one-on-one and giving them that time. It's a very transformational experience doing styling with me. And I think the reason it's different than working with other stylists is because I really am sort of holistic in how I try to help the person. I really get to know them and I, and I get to know their lifestyle and their challenges. And I really try to understand like what they are striving for in their life and like what's working and what's not working. And we talk about like what some of their insecurities might be. And I think that I am someone that, you know, is able to really like hold space for them. Then I start the styling, you know, and and then I'm able to like really, and then we, I mean, it's, it's more in depth than that. I mean, we clean out their closet. There's a whole process to that. And then we start to like find the pieces. And I also source outside of Pink Lagoon. It's not just Pink Lagoon you know, to build the wardrobe. So it's, it's a process It takes time and it's a commitment for both of us like to work together, but I do love it. And, and I have had many clients have really amazing transformational experience. And it's like, I've also seen clients that I've been working with for so many years, kind of like now it's almost like they've graduated from high school. So like some, a lot of my clients now are just like elevated, like they're complimented so much on their, and it's not even just being complimented on their style. It's like, they're being complimented on their like on their essence, like who they are and how they make other people feel in their presence. And that's really like the bigger compliment to me and to them is that they're just comfortable in their skin and that they're really at a level of just ease with themselves that they're doing sort of like the more purposeful work that they're meant to do in this world. And that's what I, that's what really like lights me up. I think the way you look at styling is so, like you said, holistic and it's really different. It's not just about the clothes. It's about the person. It's about the stage of life that they're in. It's about where they want to take their life through their clothes. I mean, are there any transformations where you've seen just a huge jump in where this person has been and, and where they're going? I mean, yeah, I've seen, I've seen so many different ones. I think, you know, some of the most interesting ones are like at those turning stages, like after 30, I'm not in my twenties anymore. Now I'm like in my thirties and I'm like now becoming like a working person. Like I've had that with, and like a lot of them are my close friends and it's like just seeing them like grow in their careers by like not dressing like teeny boppers anymore. And like and honestly, just like believing in themselves a little more and like spending a little bit more money on themselves and then making more money and just seeing how that actually, there's like a ripple effect to that, investing in themselves a little bit more and what that looks like when they do that. I mean, it is hard, you know, to even just make that shift. You're just not used to it. Like, oh, I can do that and I can afford it. And and, and even just do the math of it. Like when you're doing this whole, like, yes, it's, you know, $200, but you know, I'm going to wear it this many times just by the, you know, math of it, like just justifying the purchase and not buying like 10 super cheap items and things like that. Like I try to teach people even with the fine jewelry purchases, some of my clients, I'm like, stop buying like so much clothes, like save for that one great piece. You have so much clothes already. There's so much to it. So I think that's a really pivotal point is like that age group. And then I think there's a lot of interesting transformations from like that 40, 50, 50, 60, so many different changes because our bodies are changing. Our lifestyle is changing so much. What we used to be comfortable in, what we're now comfortable in, like, you know, before motherhood, after motherhood, just the life 
alone. I remember when it happened to me, it was like, I used to be able to wear big earrings. Like they're pulling on everything. Things change. You know, we don't always look at our wardrobe and how we dress. We don't look at it as something that needs to be checked in on just like our health or anything else, how we're taking care of ourselves, but it does. And if you can take the time to like clean out your closet a couple of times a year and reassess all of your belongings and say like, is this stuff still me? Does this still reflect, you know, the person I am or the style I want? I think it's really helpful and it's not from like a vanity standpoint. It's really from like a, who am I and who do I want to be and how do I want to step out into the world? And I love that, you know, Pink Lagoon as a store is really supporting that vision that the styling company really believes in. I think so much of what you're talking about too, we do see in our boutiques every day. And I think you creating this extension around it and the extension for your business, for your brand, for what you love to do is such a huge piece of where people can think about taking their business. I don't think adding styling is for everyone all the time um, because it does take a huge commitment. I mean, you're working with people for six months at a time. It's a really big commitment, like you said, for you and that person to do this deep transformational work. It's not just about, oh, let's get you some outfits for the holiday season or something. I agree because listen, I mean, sometimes I go back and forth with it because I'm also paying more people to support me at the store in order for me to be out and doing the styling business. But for those boutiques, I think really what it comes down to is like for those boutiques to have that one-on-one connection with their clients and to really know the people that are shopping with them in an intimate way, because it's, you know, Again, it's that 80-20 rule. Like if they really know the majority of those people and they're shopping for them, those are the people that are going to be spending the most money with them and really catering to like, what is it that they want next and helping them build a wardrobe. I mean, like so many of our clients really do shop exclusively with us. Like, and that is such an honor to me when like most of their clothes come from us. And like, so yeah, they buy, you know, some things here or there from like other things. And I source from other places too for shoes and things that we don't carry at Pink Lagoon. I did make the mistake of trying to do everything and like that bit me in the ass. Even being a store that is open to being like, I saw this at this store and this would help complete the look is just another way of servicing your client and caring for them and helping them, you know, with whatever event they're going to, whatever look they're putting together. I think it's a thoughtful way of caring for them. So in talking about being thoughtful and intentional, which is like how you run your business, how has that trickled into your life and how are you balancing all of this with having two girls who are super busy, having the business, having a husband who I think he was traveling a lot for a while because he's in the TV industry. I believe that there is a sense of balance that you can achieve within your own life. It's unique to you. And what has really been big ways that you've shifted to feel like you can do it all and you don't have to burn the candle at both ends. You don't have to be working 24 seven because you have a big business and you have multiple businesses and you've got a lot going on. So no. Give us some advice about how you're dealing with all this. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I think the biggest thing that I have really working for me is I have like a really great circle of people that support me. It's the people that are, that I've hired and that I have as consultants and that I've, you know, attracted in these most recent years 
thankfully, that are really supporting me and that I've really acknowledged are really have my best interest. And I think that that, you know, takes some time to figure out like, which are the people that are really like supporting me. Um, I know that's like a journey when you're when you're hiring people is to figure that out. So right now I feel really, really well supported. And that's huge. You know, I try to manage my time really well. I'm very possessive of my time. Like I try not to let people waste it. I've become that girl. I'm protective of it. And uh, I also am just like getting even more, especially since COVID, I think I've become even more aware of like, how am I using my time and who am I giving it to? And does that, does that person like fill me up or does that person actually like drain me and being mindful of that? So that has been really huge um, in just protecting my own energy more. So those are some of like the things that I I think is how how am I managing it? And my goals are bigger now. I've already gone through a lot of that really those really tough years. If there's moms out there listening to this, my girls are like 14 and 8. So that those like younger years like I blacked out. I have no advice for you. It was the hardest thing ever. <laughs> but um it's hard. It was hard. Yeah, I mean I will say like just the idea of protecting your time and not allowing things or people to take that on. I mean, that to me is just such a good summation of how you've been able to travel more. And I think also I will add, because I think you skimmed over this, having a really good staff and people in the store, having a great manager, having, you know, Mm -hmm. having a great accountant, like Mm -hmm. you can walk away from the store for a couple weeks at a time and, check in and, and, you know, do your due diligence kind of on the back end. but how did you build that team? I mean, <laughs> I'm sure hi, we all know hiring is, is rough, but you know, where did you find these people? What, what kind of intention did you set to have this team? What can advice can you give to people? Because your team is enviable. Honestly, you have a great group of people. And I've had so many amazing people come in and out over the years. I think it's taken a long time. Some of the people that have been with me have been with me for so many years at this point. So it's taken a long time and it's just really attracting like like-minded people that like are holding the same vision. I think everyone on my team kind of like knows my personality at this point. They also, I have to say, they really just like have my back and that's what I appreciate. Like they want me to have my days off. They want me to take vacations with my family. Like I didn't always feel that way when I had a younger team at one point, like it was like, I was, I was like the mother. And when I had my second child, it was like, I couldn't have a young team anymore that wasn't like supporting me. I needed like a much more mature team. And that was like a lesson. Like I needed women that were like, actually like supporting me. It wasn't me supporting them. So monitoring that a little bit more and making sure that those, that that you're hiring people that are like really supporting you and your vision and that you're, it's not like you're just doing a favor for them. I think it can get a little bit dicey as to like what that relationship really is sometimes when you're hiring people. Just that clarity, I think, in building that team. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think a lot of people hire friends or hire family and it might be okay to start out, but it definitely is not how you scale because you are the boss and you are in charge. And I think you have to just make that clear and not in like a forceful way, but you know, I do think it can be hard to hire people who are close to you because business and friendship don't always mix. And 
some people learn that mistake kind of the difficult, the hard way and lose friends or, or lose, you know, get in rough fights with family. But I do think that there is a benefit as well, like you're saying, to hire someone who's not an intern or hire someone who's not in college or high school. I mean, that to me, I do think there is validity in that because they're going to take it more seriously. Yeah. And like, you know, we've had great experience in just hiring people that are kind of like your ideal client, you know, because they, they, and I listened to something recently about that, like they love your product and to have someone who really identifies and loves your product and, you know, lives it is like, they're the best people to like advocate for it. So there's something about that too. It's like, why do people love shopping with me? It's cause like, I am so the brand people know that I know what I'm talking about. Like I love it. I live it. It's my lifestyle. They love shopping with the owner, having more people on your team that just love your product is so key. Totally. I, I completely agree. And I think the people that love your product and love your customers and love your client, I mean, I hear all the time with the people that work for me, like, I love our group of women. I love the Facebook group. I love, you know, it's nice because it does feel like you want people to be on board with what you're doing. And, you know, it shouldn't be a fight. It should be difficult. You should be excited to come to work. Like, isn't that what we all want at this point? Um, so, okay, let's wrap up. I want to ask you a couple questions just to wrap up. So what would you do differently as you grew your business? Where do you feel like looking back, you could have shifted or you saw a miss, like, is there a missed opportunity somewhere? You know, what I would have done differently is so many people say, I think I grew too fast. I got a little ahead of myself. I was doing so well. And I opened my second store in my fourth year. And then I, uh, and then I partnered and opened another, you know, venture with a partner. It was like, it was like a little too much too fast. And I wish I had just like slowed down and like enjoyed what I had actually created for a little while because I didn't, I think I just had it in my head. Like I'm doing well, I need to open the next door and then I need to open the next door and I need to open the next door. I don't know what like took over me thinking it's like, I just thought I needed to be the next intermix or something. And, you know, I just like had this like multi-store vision in my head. And, you know, I guess I had to go through that to realize that that really never was the vision because what happened was I just became like a, like an HR manager. And that was not the desire or the dream or the passion ever. I mean, I really liked being connected to the clients, like I said, and to the team more intimate than like what I was when I had the second store and the third store and all the, all the stuff that I was dealing with. So, and, and the truth was like, I don't think that the infrastructure was like there for all of that, like the key people that needed to be in place, like the real, like now it feels like I could do that. And now I don't want to, those people would need to be in place for that to happen. So I definitely think that once you start to see some success, enjoy it for a bit, a few years, see what that feels like, and then see what's next and try to stay aligned with what it is that you love about your business and what you don't love about your business. I think that like really understanding like the roles that you play in your business and what feel good to you, you need to kind of keep that perspective on the daily with your business because it can get out of alignment really quickly because you're wearing so many hats in the beginning as the entrepreneur, like you're just doing all the things. So you almost don't know what you loved and what you don't love because you're just kind of have to do it all. That's what I would say. 
Such good advice. Oh my gosh. You're such a good example of someone who's just been doing this really well for a long time. You've stumbled, you've gotten back up. You're a mom, you're a wife, you're starting other businesses. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast because I know this is going to help a lot of people. And if you're looking for Jenny, you can find her in all the places. We'll put it in the show notes. Thank you so much, Jenny, for joining me. Thank you, Emily. Thanks for everything. Thanks for having me. Are you looking for a community of inclusive, amazing boutique CEOs who value diversity? What about a safe, drama-free group that shares tips, tricks, and lessons learned? How about a virtual support group to help you navigate boutique land? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I want to invite you to join over 7,000 other boutique CEOs in the free Facebook group, the Boutique Training Academy Tribe. The tribe is a positive group for aspiring and established boutique owners. We are welcoming and accepting of all boutique CEOs, regardless of where you are at in your business. In the tribe, you'll find weekly discussions to help you find vendors, ask questions about point of sale software, and prompts that promote growth both for your business and for your mindset. So what are you waiting for? Come on over and join the free Boutique Training Academy tribe on Facebook. We've left a link in the show notes for you. See you there.